It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here once again talking a little quietly because it is extremely early and I'm inside my hotel room before leaving Philadelphia. It is time for a Monday morning Murph. Uh, Brian Murphy, uh, I think it will be a little bit of a different tone this morning than it was the last time we gathered at uh, a very early hour to discuss a Vikings game. How are you? Yeah, it's a little bit rough. Um, I I struggled mightily to just hang with that game as long as I could last night, and and you'll be proud I did make it to the final gun. Regrettably, I probably could have tuned out at least an hour earlier and really not missed much. Um, I kept waiting for. I thought there was going to be a moment where the Vikings were going to really make it interesting. Uh, they had so many opportunities to do so, but at the end of the day, they really didn't show up uh, the first 30 minutes and ultimately it cost them in uh, in a pretty hostile environment. Yeah, I guess the question that I'm waking up this morning is whether like how much to react to this, whether to point to everything they did wrong and say, see, all these things are the same, or was it just inevitable that they would have a loss early in the season at some point? Because even really good teams have games where they no show and where everything goes wrong. And I wrote about this, about whether it was the scheme or whether it was execution from the game. And I think the answer was both. I I think that at times Philadelphia understood what they were trying to do on defense and took advantage of it specifically uh, on the 53 yard touchdown. Although it looked like there was a miscommunication, which would also be execution. So it's like uh, a lot of the things there, uh, the way they, Uh, played against Jalen Hurts. He had open receivers and he found them. He also had a 26-yard touchdown that was extremely impressive. Um, You know, on the other side, they had moments where Justin Jefferson, from my view, looked open, but there were a lot of moments where he might not have been because of a gentleman by the name of Darius Slay, who is as good at his position as anybody in the entire NFL. And uh, I guess the way I look at it, Murph, is that in week one, there were some signs of some things that weren't going to be sustainable, specifically throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson every single play uh, that were not corrected enough to get a win in Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there should be a, 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 a real deep well of anger or angst or anxiety, maybe even among fans. I, you're right. They, this is a team that if if they achieve what even the most optimistic analysts think they will achieve, or even the most rosy predictions, they're going to end up losing seven games, probably maybe even eight if they get into the playoffs. This was one of them that seemed to be an ideal one, not an ideal one, but an obvious one. You're on the road. It's Monday night. Philadelphia is a good good club. Jalen Hurts is really good. 
and they were ready and they were ready to attack and the Vikings were flat footed. And, but what I look at it is the Vikings also put themselves in opportunities to come back. I mean, you know, small solace, I get it. It's a results driven league and they made plenty of mistakes to dissect and criticize and, and go over both on both sides of the ball. No question. But the blocked field goal, uh, the opportunity Irv Smith had to break the game open, the, the interception late, uh, the turnover late to set up things. The Vikings were in a position where they were at several play, points, one play away from really changing the tenor of that game. It didn't happen. So, you know, no excuses, no apologies. Um, but they were outplayed. They were outplayed, outcoached, and um, they were beaten by a better team. And they're going to face better teams in another month or so. So I don't, I don't view this as, I mean, I don't think anybody would have said three weeks ago, one and one home win road loss in Philly would have been all that surprising. I don't think what, what we saw last night was terribly surprising. I think that you, you're right. Once, the, once uh, you know, you got Darius Slay taking care of not only doing hit what he does best in, in causing havoc in the, in the secondary, but he also, he handled Justin Jefferson, but that also gave opportunities to Irv Smith, who had several receptions and made some big plays, dropped the big one that people are going to remember mostly. Um, the running game disappeared. Cousins found himself under duress. A um, couple of interceptions that uh, looked like he and Jefferson weren't on the same page. And again, Slade just had himself a night. Um, so I'm not, you know, the, the, the usual, the cynical soothsayer here is usually is really not all that alarmed by that performance and I think I think there are some things that they can build on and I like the fact that Kevin O'Connell fell on his sword and fell on it very deeply early last night because I think that sets a tone in the locker room that had been missing the last several years yeah uh (laughs) I certainly felt like the uh tenor of the press conference was quite a bit different, which I did expect. I mean, they hired someone to be the opposite of Mike Zimmer and he was Um, now on, on the matter of, you know, them giving themselves chances to come back. I do think that a major part of that was Philadelphia trying to just bleed clock. They had two drives. One was over six minutes and one was over five minutes where they didn't score, but you're winning the game by doing that. Um, A blocked field goal is pretty unusual. The Special teams was actually insanely good last night. I mean, the punter was fantastic, had a 61-yard punt that pinned them all the way back, and then Philadelphia just drove and got a field goal anyway. Um, And then, you know, the blocked field goal, which is uh, Patrick Peterson said the fourth of his career, which is wild. Like, I I, I don't know that I've even seen four uh, blocked field goals. And, you know, Patrick Peterson getting in there with his, I don't know, uh, perfect timing, I guess, to make that play. Uh, And they were close to outrunning the punter on that and having a touchdown and making it much more uh, much closer. But it's sort of also a product of. You know, the, the other team's up and they're just trying not to lose it. Even the screen pass that Jalen Hurts got intercepted was very much like a timid, let's not blow this play call that just kind of went wrong. Um, so some things actually bouncing the Vikings way and they couldn't take advantage. And it really goes all, all the way back to the quarterback, though, Murph. And here's where it's like, this is a good way to, to, to go with it is like what to be a little freaked out by and what not to be a little freaked out by. That wasn't just a bad showing by Kirk cousins. That was one of the worst games Kirk cousins has ever played as an NFL starter. 
It was the ninth lowest rated game he's ever had by traditional quarterback rating out of 122. And it was one of the lowest in yards per, te- per attempt. I think it was maybe his fifth or sixth lowest in a game that he started. And yes, Irv Smith dropped the pass. Receivers drop passes sometimes, like in football. It happens. Like uh, th- To have that performance, and I know it feels different if he catches it and runs it in for a touchdown. Just like we were saying about Rodgers last week, it is different if he catches it. And that was a really nice throw. But I think you have to wonder about the leaning on Kirk cousins as much as they seem to want to and whether the weapons are going to be as good as they expected them to be specifically the running game and Delvin cook, the explosiveness is not quite there yet. And whether it ever returns, I don't know. Derek Henry ran for a bunch of negative plays last week. Elvin Kamara is not playing. Uh, um, Christian McCaffrey is washed. Like this is the life of a running back, right? So do you have that weapon in your bag anymore? Uh, They can't get Adam Thielen the ball. Um, KJ Osborne had what one catch last night. Like it doesn't look the same as it felt going into the season with all the weapons, at least through two weeks that everybody else outside of Justin Jefferson has essentially done nothing. Well, they have, they have struggled to spread that ball around and what, you know, we bring up cousins because we have to bring up cousins. We always bring up cousins, right? But I, it, it really goes down. You just point to that career record, which is now 60, 60 and two. I mean, what is the, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. You know, he's, he's average it, in the long run. He's going to be average. Is he going to win 13 games and lead you to the promised land? No, I don't think we've ever expected that. I don't think we've seen that maybe the first year coming off of the 2017 NFC championship game run. It was, it was fair to expect that, but this is, this is baked in. This is who cousins is. We know that he had a great week last week. He, he struggled this week, but what he's always shown is, you know, when the stakes are highest and I know he doesn't, you know, I guess he won his previous Monday, couple of Monday night games, but we know he struggles under the lights. We know he struggles when the stakes are higher. Again, this is week two on the road at Philadelphia. Not exactly an ideal situation for the Vikings to set themselves up for an easy win. That said, it, it they they lurch. They always seem to lurch. And, and again, this goes to, okay, what is this team's identity going to be? We're still not sure. We had a snapshot last week. We had a snapshot last night. I look at both, and I'm still not sure exactly what this team is, even though there's not a lot of surprises on personnel. It's it's going to take on, I think, the makeup of their coach in so many ways because I said yes uh, last week, and, and I'll say it again, any young coach, um, how they respond to adversity, how do they respond to poor performance, how do, how do they respond to what he even said was a bad coaching performance. I'm going to go back and, and work my tail off to, to, to make things right. I mean, every coach has said that numerous times in his – his career, the, the, you know, I'm going to work 70 hours a day to fix this. Well, that's not possible, but at least he's thinking that way. Um, I was not surprised that he was, he took as much responsibility as he did, but for him to say right away, this one's on me. Um, at least it doesn't create the image of everybody walking on eggshells again for a week uh, leading up to uh, to how they're going to respond. So I expect them to have a decent week at practice and I expect them to respond pretty well at home against Detroit, but Detroit is no longer the gimme. I mean, we know that now. Uh, they couldn't beat Detroit last year in Detroit, despite having a lead the entire game. 
And now Detroit looks like they've got their act together a bit too. So, you know, they've got Detroit and Chicago at home and then what, New Orleans and a neutral site. They've got time before they hit the meat grinder of Miami and, and Buffalo to, to establish themselves. But it's, I think it was a, as a, I think it, I, yesterday could be a valuable lesson for them in a seven game, 17 game season, how they respond to that. And that's what I've always wanted to see is how is O'Connell going to respond to adversity? And he's got his first slice right now. Well, and this is the push and pull of talking about this game specifically because it is only one game and everything went wrong and they got out pretty much everything in Philadelphia, but we have seen seasons before where things go wrong and you lose a game and people play poorly. And then we move on with our lives and you win the games you're supposed to win and so forth. Just thinking back to the last time they were in the playoffs in 2019, it felt like the world was ending when they played against Chicago, lost to chase Daniel. And then uh, Stefan Diggs skipped practice and they came back and they won the next week against the Giants and put up big numbers and cruised and then went to the playoffs and got a win in New Orleans. So you don't want to look at a game this early in the season and just declare it all over. But what you said about uh, Kirk Cousins and you know his record and their record really even with Kirk Cousins, especially in big games like this, I mean, uh, this wasn't uh, the what was it, 2019 Monday night football win against Case Keenum's Washington football team is a little bit different. Like this was kind of a, a, a nice measuring stick of a team in Philadelphia that was pretty hyped up and a lot of people were picking them to win the NFC East and, uh, you know, potential Super Bowl team and everything else. It was like this: these are two teams uh, that are looked at as um, ones with opportunity in the NFC that has some weaknesses to it uh, and no clear favorite in the NFC the way that Buffalo is in the AFC. So here's your opportunity. Go show that you're going to be the team that's being talked about walking out of there is kind of the uh, – you know, the, the trendy team. And instead like your tail goes between your legs where it's been in big games for so many years. And that usually stems back to the quarterback uh, that right from the outset of the game, it was one of the disappearing acts where it's like, Oh, okay. You're going to get behind right away because you look a little timid and you're not, you know, hitting throws and you're thrown underneath uh, to a very covered Irv Smith on third down. And, and like all the things that we've seen many times in, in these games. But I think where it's different is, there's a part of me that wants to say like, well, it's Kevin O'Connell's first year and um, there's going to be some, some bumps along the way and, and so forth. And we'll kind of have to look at the totality, but then I, I don't think that people who are waking up like, man, it's just going to keep happening. Isn't it? Like, I don't think that those people are wrong who are, who have that feeling. No, they're not wrong. There's evidence there to support that. If that's the wallowing rabbit hole you want to go down, then it's going to be a long four months um, because I, I I don't see this club being a ripping off four wins in a row or five out of six. I think it's going to be a week to week mini drama as it usually is. But this is also a veteran team, too. So I, I don't expect them to panic. I don't expect them to start turning on each other. I don't expect them to start underperforming woefully on a, on a week-to-week basis this is a fairly you know battle-tested team you know at least as far as adversity goes so I, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna stray too much so I think you're just gonna have to hang in there you're gonna have to hang in there week to week series to series quarter to quarter because I don't think the Vikings are really gonna walk away from opponents like they did week week one against Green Bay so 
are you going to embrace that? Are you going to enjoy that journey? Are you going to allow yourself to be entertained? Um, if anything that we've learned in the first two weeks of the NFL, and this is piggybacking off last year's postseason and just the last few years in the NFL in general, I mean, no lead is safe. No game is tucked away early. It's hard to pull away because there's so much that can happen so quickly uh, the way the game is played today. And I, I, you know, I didn't feel like the Vikings were going to, you know, snatch the, the victory from the jaws of defeat, but I could see them making an opportunity. I mean, I was ready to check out of that game in the third quarter, but I just couldn't do it because there was just enough juice there. There was just enough momentum. There were just enough random plays and momentum, potentially momentum turning plays that I stayed engaged until the end, which is what the NFL wants because they're going to bleed every ratings point for every dollar they can get. But circling back to what I'm thinking for what Vikings fans are going to be going through this year, um, I don't feel there's an inevitable dread creeping in like there had been last year and even the year before. Maybe a little bit with Cousins because there's an obvious, well, we've been here with him before. We know how he's probably going to react. But with the club in general, um, I, I'm more in, I, I'm a little more optimistic on on what O'Connell can do to kind of fix what he sees as baked in problems that have plagued the team the last couple of years, especially on defense, because he's an offensive guy. So what's Ed Donatel going to do now to answer for what happened yesterday? Because again, every game is a blueprint for your next opponent to figure out how to how to take you down. So again, it's always about responses. How do you respond? How do you better prepare? Um, I I want to see how they perform against Detroit because I'm also, not just because I'm a Detroit native and had watched Hard Knocks, but I'm interested in seeing there may be a little bit, you know, the 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 bullied brother on the NFC North block may be rising up a little bit. And the Vikings haven't had to deal with anybody other than really Green Bay for the last 10 years, it feels like. So if there's a little, if there's another emerging rival, are they going to be able to handle that and take care of Detroit at home? Because you need to take care of your home games, especially in the division early on, because they're going to be finishing up on the road late against Detroit, Chicago, and Green Bay. So there is some urgency, um, but I I really want to see what the response is like, and they're set up well. Um, you know, other than Harrison Smith, I think they're relatively injury free at this point too. So. Two weeks in, there's still a lot to be hopeful for. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of a, a push and pull that I'm thinking about between 
the fact that they decided to make themselves a veteran team as opposed to taking the option on a lot of things and how those decisions play out like is a week to week evaluation. Like you brought back the quarterback, you brought back Adam Thielen at a very expensive price and a very expensive price next year. If you want to move on from him, uh, you, you know, you signed veteran players on this team to win this year and to point the finger at the old guy. And I saw Mike Zimmer was trending last night. It's just like, well, what a, what a typical Mike Zimmer Vikings type of performance that it was in Philadelphia, right? Like, I mean, if you're going to make the case as an organization that it was the bad man's fault and everything was wrong, then you can't do the same things that you did when you had him here. And if you're going to not help your salary cap long term, and if you're going to not progress your quarterback situation or your timeline or time horizon, as Kwesi Adafo Mensa likes to say, if you're not going to like reset those things, including the salary cap in the off season, then it really has to work in the regular season that the expectation needs to be extremely high. At the same time, I think I can like a lot of things that are general about Kevin O'Connell. I can like the way that he handled the preseason. I, I can like the way that he seems to be handling players. I can be impressed with his first whooping because every coach will face a whooping and you have to go. And like you said, you have to, unless you're Mike Zimmer, you have to own it. Um, otherwise you just uh, blame everybody else and so forth. He clearly did not want to do that um, and contained himself, uh, even though he was clearly a little shook last night, but contained himself from saying, uh, yeah, Cam Dantzler or Cam Bynum, one of you, uh, which I think might've actually been Cam Dantzler after looking at some of the, um, the, the coaches on Twitter that broke down the film and everything. But the point, uh, the point just being that, you know, he handled his first loss very well. And I, I think that he's, um, you know, getting deserved praise for the way that he's going about coaching and everything else. Uh, but it's a cold league Murph, this isn't like, you know, hey, we're all just here for the fun, right? Like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, hey, just kind of enjoy the ride. But you can't really just enjoy the ride when they set the expectations at a certain level. And I think that we have to hold them to that. And it's only week two. They're only one and one. And like you said, if if you had told us they would come out of uh, these first two weeks, this is this is how I predicted it in my win loss thingies. When I did it, when the schedule came out, I predicted a win in Green Bay and a loss in Philadelphia to be one and one. So, no, it's it's hardly the end of the world. I just think that when we look around at the roster and the way that they handled it, there's some things that have to work here for them that after this game, maybe make you go, oh, is that. Is that going to work? Is is leaning into Kirk Cousins this much going to work? Is is making Justin Jefferson Cooper Cup going to work? Is, you know what I mean? Like all these things that were sort of the promises they made, are they going to come true when you have some of the weaknesses that were revealed on Monday Night Football? I can't believe I'm actually sounding like the eternal optimist in this conversation. Um, I very rarely am. Uh you're almost making me feel too soft, so I'm going to have to revert. And no, I agree. <laughs> I I agree with you as far as holding them to account for their offseason decision making. That that is something that'll be a week to week, season long accountability test, and rightfully so. You're right. They did say, look, we uh, a competitive rebuild or a minor reset, or I don't know what the Wilf uh, comment was. It was something along those lines. Competitive rebuild, wasn't it? Yep, There's competitive no, rebuild. Yeah. Competitive rebuild. So. 
Yeah, you do need to, when you see signs of like, well, you know, that might not have been the most prudent decision and you're going to pay a hefty financial price probably for that later. Um, those accountability, those accountability moments deserve to happen. Um, I, what I just, what feels different again about this is because we do have a new regime and a new coaching staff, generally the same roster, same quarterback. I want to see how, again, this club responds. I want to see how O'Connell responds to the butt whipping, by the way, in his home stadium with his parents watching. Um, that that must have been extremely humbling. And again, in a matter of a week, you go from, you know, the highest of highs to <laughs> now you're you're back in the office grinding away, trying to coach, uh, you know, work yourself out of a rut. Um, it is a cold league. It's a cold, calculated league. And that's why we keep coming back, because it's not our blood being spilled. Right. It's just great entertainment. Um, I want to see how he responds, but I really want to see how the, the team responds to him um, because he took the bullets yesterday. He, he, he did what he had to do as a coach and say, this is on me, whether it wasn't was or wasn't. Um, you didn't have him kind of trying to figure out whether it was Jefferson who failed in his routes or Cousins who failed in his throws or was it, it was just Darius Slade coming up and making big plays. Uh, they'll probably go through that a little bit more after the film review. But I, I want to see how, you know, humbling losses can have a bigger effect than big time wins because – they generally show you where your 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 fault lines are, and they also um, it's it's easy to feel good about yourself after a nice home win against a, an arch rival. But it probably they always say the pain of defeat hurts worse. You feel the pain of defeat more than the glory of victory, or whatever that cliche is. And I I'd like I'm I'm going to be very curious to see how they roll out at home against a traditionally inferior opponent that is no longer inferior. Um, what are they going to do? How are they going to respond schematically to what Philadelphia did to them? But how are they going to respond um, emotionally? And these are these are the measuring sticks that I always look at for new coaches, especially young ones. Um, Kevin O'Connell's 37 years old. He hasn't experienced a ton of pain in the NFL yet. So uh, last night was was exhibit A. And let's let's see how he, he turns it around and let's see how the locker room responds. And I felt like last night inside the locker room that there was not the same angst that we have seen before. But you know, then again, I mean, it, maybe that's just sort of you know revisionist history. It, it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like uh, there was this like, real man, like it's all coming apart type of feeling as there has been on many a uh, national TV disaster for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so, you know, I think that it does matter the way that he has sort of laid the groundwork for we're going to get through these things together. We're going to get through these things with leadership and everything else. I mean, that, that's that's where I'm saying, like, I don't want to look at Kevin O'Connell and say, you got out schemed by a coach who was in the playoffs last night. You got beat by a team that has more talent on the field than you do. Um, but also, like, you were brought here to take the offense to a next level. In the first week, the offense was okay. It was not unbelievable. It was okay. They had 23 points. Um, and then, uh, in week two, it's, it's absolutely nowhere to be found. And there's so much recent scar tissue that it's, you could just go back to all the games and to all the situations where it was just like that. And I think that that's where it is for Vikings fans too, that when you say, 
Like logically speaking, when you say, hey, look, you know, it was a tough game and it's O'Connell's first punch in the face and everybody's got to get one at some point and then, you know, dust yourself off and back on to Detroit. I totally get that. But I also get all the people who were tweeting me last night who are like, this is just like this game from 2018. And then doesn't the offense look like it's 2018 again? And oh, hey, the interior offensive line is allowing pressure. And oh, look, a, a bizarre interception. Yeah, like the these things, when they cleared out the general manager and head coach, they did not clear out the history with these players and this core group of people who has done that thing on many occasions. And I think that that's where it's, it's difficult to reckon with for people to just say like, Hey, you have to give Kevin O'Connell time. And I also thought of last night, the juxtaposition of the Vikings getting whooped and the Buffalo bills running away from the Tennessee Titans on the other channel uh, was really something uh, because not only do you have Stefan Diggs scoring three touchdowns, and I just, by the way, had to Twitter search this morning, Stefan Diggs, Siberia. I guess it's, it is tough to travel to, I will admit, but it's not NFL Siberia when you have a quarterback. But the Buffalo Bills at one point were in the same position as the Minnesota Vikings kind of right now with Tyrod Taylor when he was there before they drafted Josh Allen. And uh, so there is like a a, a feeling of, you might have to give the new coach a lot of time and a lot of space, but also look at the ownership, the management, and the decisions that they made this offseason as having ripple effects if they don't quickly bounce back. And they really do need, like you said, they really need to beat Detroit. They really need to go to London and beat the New Orleans Saints. They really, I mean, they should beat Chicago um, because there are harder games ahead. Arizona is not just going to give you a win. They have a great quarterback. Uh, Buffalo going there is, I mean, just that's going to be an extremely tough game. So I, yeah, there's a, there's a long way to go, but I also think that some of the things that you could have seen coming as being problematic for them uh, were last night on the biggest stage. Yeah. And, and, and to that point too, and I'm, I'm going to throw this back at you quickly, just because I'm curious what you have to say, because I, I'm trying to figure out, and I haven't delved into any of this, what really is going on with Dalvin Cook? Is it a diminished skill set? Is it an is it opportunity? Is it uh, the the pace of the games? Um, there's something missing there, you know. And and I don't know if again if it's a physical ailment, we're not sure of. If you know, again, these running backs, there's a ton of miles on them. But it always seemed like again, this was Zimmer's old school approach of you know let's grind Cook as much as we can establish the run, set up the pass. Obviously, that's not the philosophy going forward here. But he does seem to be a bit marginalized, either either consciously or because he's not able to, to break off any ex- explosive plays. Um, I'm wondering what tone that is setting for the rest of the offense. Is that to be expected? Or somebody like you who's been watching them all offseason, uh, OTAs, training camp, does it seem like there's there's a gear missing there? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So last year, they were one of the worst running teams in the NFL. Um, And Delvin Cook was banged up, but Delvin Cook is always banged up. And I think that you, and, and this is not decided yet, like there's plenty of time to go, that you have to be concerned that the jump that was there early in his career, that his first training camp, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like what, this is the, this is the quickest player in the first three steps that I've ever seen. <laughs> like he just exploded and it's not there because that's the life of a running back. I mean, not you can, now this one, you can maybe look at Mike Zimmer or just the nature of the position, uh, but they ran him and ran him and ran him and he just piled up injuries uh, over the years. And there's only so much of that, that a running back can take. Another part of it is that I don't think the offense is centralized around their running game. Like they were uh, with Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski using the best scheme for running like that there is. And it fit perfectly with Delvin cook. I think this one's a little different. Like it still has zone stuff, but it's a little different. Here's the other part too. The interior offensive line is just not going to do you any favors. And these first two weeks, so I do suspect maybe against Detroit, Delvin Cook will have kind of a breakout game. But these first two weeks, they've played two of the tougher interior defensive lines in the league and just haven't run the ball very well. But it, yeah, and and the other part is too that there was this whole, oh, they're going to line up Delvin at receiver. They're going to throw to him all the time and things like that. Like he's just not that good at, at that right? Like he's just not that good at catching the football. He had an easy drop last night and he, and he's not that good at at running routes and and their screen execution was not very good uh, last night. So I think it's, it's like a combination of all those things together, but that's another one where you look back and you go, well, there was a decision there. Now this one is not on Kwesi Adafo Mensa. It would have been a very tough decision to cut Delvin cook at this point. That would have been going completely backwards uh, with all the other moves. But when they signed Delvin Cook in 2020, I mean, they've spent one week above 500 since signing Delvin Cook to that extension that they absolutely had to do at the time. You have to extend them. You have to extend them. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you didn't have to. It's They did under Spielman. This, there are still the echoes of Spielman and all the inefficient things that were done under him. And I think that Delvin Cook is one of those. Well, and that's what's going to be interesting to see because I don't know if he's going to feel marginalized, if he's going to – it's not a running back league anymore. It hasn't been for decades. But it feels like there is a shift going on, and and maybe it's the coaching staff realizing the scheme that they have isn't necessarily going to fit his skill set, and maybe we don't have him as much to leverage anymore. Um, Or maybe, as you said, it's a factor of – an offensive line. It's a factor of falling behind last night, the way they did. 
it's a factor of him not being able to expand his skill set and maybe contribute to the passing game. It's a lot of little things that seem to add up, but it just, you know, you, you know, the, the big thing is like, well, look at all the weapons that they have, you know, you got cousins, if he's protected, you know, what kind of production we have, Justin Jefferson, probably one of the top, if not going to be the top receiver in the NFL, Irv Smith coming back off of rehab, we should be able to get the ball to him. And then of course, Delvin cook, he was always the big part of that picture. And I don't see him, just being a factor right now. And I don't know what that's going to mean for their identity. And I don't know what it's going to mean in the locker room. It's just, it's something that bears watching because I don't think it's the main thing that they have to focus on right now. How do we get Dalvin cook more involved? I think it's a underlying chatter, but as you said, it speaks to sort of the, the remnants of the previous regime and what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to manage in real time expectations and production from somebody they may not have much faith in beyond this year. So I'm, I'm curious how that is going to play out of the, over the course of the season, both just, just production wise, but also, you know, it's, it's you know, is Dalvin cook going to be content with being marginalized? We'll see how that one goes. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that there are some teams that they're going to be able to run against and have good offensive performances against, including the Detroit lions who are coming up uh, as their next opponent, but it, it is not so easy. And I think that this is as far as like every week is kind of its own unique test for this team that even though we look at the schedule and say, it isn't that daunting. There are also teams that have things that they do well uh, and, and Detroit, does some things well, including uh, Aiden Hutchinson was terrific for them. And we'll do the whole preview and everything else, but like they have talent. Amon Ross St. Brown, their wide receiver is very good. And on a short week coming back to the friendly confines and everything else, like I think it is just like an, an interesting test for them overall uh, coming off of this, how they respond to this. And even from Delvin Cook's perspective of just like not having a role last night. And I thought that that was like a, a bit of a rookie mistake by Kevin O'Connell. They came out in the second half and it was like, we, we're just going to have to throw every single play because we're losing. And like, well, you don't really have to. Um, you know, you can still use this guy, but when he doesn't look like he has the same juice, then. Uh, and, and you're getting beat up on the interior by a great team, then I think there's a, a natural thing to just like, okay, we're going to have to go away from it because we're not getting anything up front. And man, if they get offensive line performances like these last two weeks, from week to week to week, it will be another long season. And we're going to look at that line and go, every player is a first or second round pick, and it's still not good. Wow. Like that's, that's hard to achieve. So I don't have the numbers yet from PFF as we're recording this to say specifically how they did, but uh, I didn't think it was a particularly, uh, it wasn't a particularly horrible or great performance. It was just kind of a typical, like you, you got outplayed by another team that was good and a team that, you know, you allowed to be in past situations all the time um, and just come after you. So big picture Murph, uh, which is kind of your thing. Um, why don't you put it on a meter? Why don't you put it on a panic meter from one to 10? Where should people be with this? One to 10? Yeah, oh, why not? I'm going to go five, seven. No, I'm going to go three and a half to four. Okay. Um, it, very you know, because it's week two. I mean, if it was November or December, I would, uh, I would, I would move it into the red a little bit more. Um, if anything, let's, let's put a bookmark on that that meter, right? Let's put it at 3.5 on whatever this is, September 20th. And let's check back in in two months or three months and revisit 
where the team is then and compare it to where we are right now. Because I think this will be a game. I don't think it's a defining game, but I think it will be a game you'll look back on and go, yeah, see, that did expose some flaws now that we we knew about and they're obviously coming home to roost. Or we look back at it as a learning experience, a turning point, uh, a, a maturity type moment because they responded. So let's put a bookmark there at three and a half. If if they're under 500 in November or December, I may uh, amend that and move it into the red, maybe to a six. Yeah, and I think I don't know which way that's going to go. I don't know which way the panic meter will go. So I like it, though. I think 3.5 is, um, I mean, of all the potential options for regular numbers, you still went 3.5. Were you the kid, Murph, when you were growing up when they said uh, Brian Murphy and you said present? Is that you or did you just say here like the rest of the kids? No, I usually raise my both middle fingers up. (laughs) Yes, right. I mean, I went to public school. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a rough ride at times, um, just like last night's football game. Uh, anyway, Murph, we'll do this uh, every Monday morning, or in this case, Tuesday morning, uh, following the game, so everyone can look forward to that. And a special place in your heart for the Detroit Lions coming to town with uh, a lot of enthusiasm coming off a win against Washington and behind <laughs> Dan Campbell, which will be a privilege to watch. So I appreciate your time as always, and we will talk soon. Sounds good.